students we'd like to welcome you back to our second session of the awakening your salah course um some students have indicated they have a bit of problems logging in so what we'll do is we'll just wait a minute or two and then we will get started with the, with the with the lecture inshallah also we have sent the notes of session two we've sent the notes through uh, you should have received the notes this afternoon and uh if you have not received the notes please let us know uh, inshallah shukran we will start in two minutes time Wamahumbi 
Inshallah, we'll get started. I can gather your family around and we'll start the program within the next few seconds, inshallah. Once again, welcome to our second session of the Awakening Your Salah course. So over to our beloved Ustad, Muna Masa. Shukran. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi wahda. Wa salatu wa salam ala man la nabiya ba'da. Rabbi shirah li sadri wa yasir li amri wa ahlul uqtatam li nisani wa qawli. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'al alamtana inna kanta la alimul hakim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Jazakumullah khair. Shukran all for joining us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open up our hearts, to illuminate our hearts with iman to fill our hearts with love for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to make this uh, time that we are spending together a means for us to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, before we get started, just to address uh, certain uh, issues that was raised last week, um, some questions. So last week was uh, just a quick recap, just a minute or so. Last week we spoke about the, um, the concept of khushu'a. So the first issue with regards to that was um, I tried to give a comprehensive understanding of what khushu' actually is because you find that a lot of books that deal with this issue, they don't actually go into, um, they don't actually hit the nail on the head with regards to what khushu' is. So um, khushu' is three things. And so hopefully we're just clarifying that at the beginning to address that issue. Number one is it is focusing, right? And then number two, it is calmness. And then uh, number three, it is submissiveness. So those three things combined is khushu'. So when we're standing in the salah, we want to be focused as opposed to being heedless. Secondly, we want to be calm because one can be focused uh, and also is not calm. So we can be focused on our salah, but the focusing is giving us anxiety. We're too afraid to make a mistake. Uh, so uh, it is a maintaining calmness. So focusing and maintaining calmness. The third uh, aspect is very, very important because I find that very often khushur is misinterpreted, uh, misinterpreted. For example, you might find yourself wanting simply focusing and calmness in salah. Uh, that if that is the case, then, you know, that happens with meditation. When one is in ibadah and out of ibadah, you go to the beach, uh, you look at the ocean, look at the mountains, you know, you start being, you start, you can focus your thoughts and you can be calm. So that is meditation, right, which is part of khushur. But the third aspect is extremely important, and that is to be submissive. To understand that it is opposed to being arrogant. That is the opposite. So when we stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't want to stand in an arrogant manner. We want to stand in a way that is submissive to our creator. 
submissive towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those three things again, it is focusing, uh, it is to be calm, and it is uh, to be submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what khushu actually is. <coughs> I hope that makes, uh, <coughs> I hope that makes the, the concept clear. So when we spoke about the introduction, we spoke about lowering the voice and how it is used as khushu in the Quran. We spoke about lowering the sight and how it is used uh, as khushu in the Quran. So now we're lowering our hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is extremely important. You find a misunderstanding of this. I'll even I'll, I'll go in it. I'll go into this again. You know, if you are so focused and so calm, and you're only focusing on that, so when a little noise happens, and then you say, "My salah was, uh, you know, it was disturbed. Uh, I didn't perform salah properly. You know, there was too much noise. There was the, the doorbell rang. It was the, uh, you know, the hoot outside. Sometimes you're in the salah, and this happens in the masjid, and then somebody's you know, the music is clopping outside, you know, and you're in your ruku and in your sujood. Can you maintain khushu? The answer is yes. Okay, you have to bring this. The other thing I want to make mention is khushu is an objective. It is a goal that we need to seek to reach. Uh, because the mu'minun who is able to bring khushu in the salat, they are the successful ones. So it's not going to just come about. But it is important that we are striving fear Allah to the best of your ability and therefore khushu is not a uh, integral it is not conditional for the validity of one sada simply we have to try and bring khushu to the best of our ability so that was a, a major concern I found that that, that came up from, from last week's class and I hope that that uh, quells um, secondly um, this is not a thick class, you know, so uh, there was another comment uh, issue that was raised that, uh, you know, they, they did not expect a thick class. So thick would be speaking about how we keep our hands in salah, what is what makes the salah valid, what does not make it valid. Uh, you know, uh, we need to pause in the ruku, you know, those type of things uh, is thick. I'm not speaking about thick. We're speaking about spirituality in salah over here. And uh, I did make mention that this week we are going to actually get into the actions of Salah, seeing what our heart should be projecting and also what we should be uh, feeling in the various postures in Salah. So hopefully this week, inshallah, we'll have a practical methodology of attaining and projecting uh, khushu in our Salah. So um, to start off with wudu one time, we're going to start off wudu one more time. Uh, wudu. Uh, when we want to, so this is one of those factors that is projected outside of Salah. I just need to turn this thing off quickly because I'm, I'm being distracted. Um, all right. So, yeah, what happens with the wudu? Wudu is one of those outside factors that plays a, a well, it contributes tremendously in our focus and our calmness and our submissiveness in Salah. So, focus on the wudu. And we're not going to go into detail as the details we mentioned last week, but wudu does, what does wudu, the Prophet says, if you want to know something that's going to wipe away your sins, the effects of sins, remember his sins brings about anxiety, it brings about depression, it takes away barakah out of our lives. So we need to take the effect of sins away, and wudu is one of those means of clearing, cleansing and purifying the heart. I've mentioned a hadith that is in the notes with regards to uh, the proof for that. 
So the Prophet says, Isbaghul wudu ala al-makari. This is going to be a major contributor to khushu. So uh, we cleanse our bodies and we cleanse the hearts. Then we cleanse our hearts also from shirk. So the hearts we clean from the effects of sins and we cleanse our hearts from the effects of shirk. What do we mean by shirk? We mean any type of polytheism, any type whereby we are associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we do that by the shahada and we do that by the mere act of wudu. Because wudu is not something logical. You shower you, you clean, uh, you know, and you dress you with new clothes, clean clothes. It doesn't mean we don't have to take wudu. Wudu must be taken again. Because besides the outward cleansing, there's the spiritual aspect as well. And that is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thus, uh, we actually reaffirm our iman in Allah. Another aspect which I did not mention, which is extremely important with regards to wudu, is wudu, perfect the wudu al-makari when we are uncomfortable. As naturally, there's this um, a state that we try to achieve, and that state is called homeostasis. That's a medical term. I, I read that term in one of the, 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 the tip books, right? Uh, prophetic medicine. It's something called homeostasis. It's the body's inclination to want to uh, become, to, to cool itself down when it is hot, and it, wanted, it wants to warm itself up when it is cold. It wants to stay in a constant comfort zone. Uh, to a certain extent, that is good, you know, because we don't want to become ill. But the Prophet ﷺ is actually encouraging us to take wudu when we are uncomfortable. So what is uncomfortable? Uncomfortable is when we are in a comfortable state in our beds, and now to get up and to take wudu with water that is not the temperature that we want. It is colder. Okay, so we take wudu with cold water. So this shocks the system. This is against the uh, what we call the inner voice. Um, the, um, the, the the Arabic term is anafs al amara to bisu. It is this voice inside of us that is commanding us to do evil. It's the inclination to disobey Allah. So that inclination, we start breaking that inclination by making ourselves in an uncomfortable state. On the other side of being uncomfortable is success. If you find how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Jahannam, He has made Jahannam, and Jahannam is, um, it is, it is circled by beautiful things, but on the other side is punishment. When it comes to Jannah, there's uncomfortable things around Jannah, but on the other side is success. When we're taking wudu, uh, it is difficult, it is uncomfortable, but on the other side is success. And if we do this, we learn to break our nafs. So that is what wudu does. A huge part of our being, uh, our deen is to break our carnal desires, our animalistic instincts. That has to be broken. If we simply feed the beast all the time, that beast becomes something that is uncontrollable. uncontrollable. So when we are called by shaitan to look at that which is haram, that beast is uncontrollable. We cannot keep it back. Uh, when we are called to control our temper by Sharia and our temper wants to rage, we cannot control the beast anymore. So we cannot control our appetites. We cannot control ourselves. And that is because we do not actually pay attention to break our nafs. And this is done by wudu. So once we have done this and we picture ourselves, remember the akhirah, we're going to be rewarded by the... Uh, 
limbs illuminated by the face illuminated by a hadith I also quoted last week, a hadith that is authentic. Uh, so the limbs will be shining. So the Prophet says, whoever wants to uh, lengthen his ghurra and his muhajjalin, lengthen the shining of his limbs, then let him do so. So perfect the wudu. Take wudu also in a, in a calm way. Take wudu in a beautiful, uh, in a beautiful way. Okay, so uh, the, the actions when we washing our face and smack your face with the water, water splashing everywhere, take wudu in a calm, collective, peaceful way. Remember, you are preparing yourself to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and picture on the day of Qiyamah how we are going to shine. So that is as far as wudu would contribute to our khushu in salah. Try not to take wudu on the very last second. Shaitan comes in there as well. He makes you, you know, you doubt whether you have wudu. He makes you doubt whether, you know, you wash. So be calm, be collective. Try to project khushu out of salah as well. Khushu is, is something that is developed outside of salah. It's developed inside of salah as well. The khushu that we develop. But inside salah should be practiced outside of salah and the khushu outside of salah should be brought into salah as well. But obviously in salah it is highlighted. This is very, very important. We cannot allow ourselves to be participating in breaking the boundaries of Allah, sinning of the eyes, sinning of the ears, listening to things that is haram, listening to things that is not in the pleasure of Allah, looking at things that is not in the pleasure of Allah. And then we complain, I don't feel khushu. <laughs> it's actually a bit funny. I don't feel khushu in my salah, you know, because um, uh, it has to be, it's a constant struggle, right? So, so this is uh, one practical step. Now let's go on to section three of the notes. Okay, I hope you have section three in front of you. Let me give you a second just to open that while I'm speaking. So section three, let me remind you, is part and parcel of salah. We're going to go through each and every step now of salah. We're going to look at the spiritual dimensions of salah. When we're speaking about that, we are speaking about what we should be projecting uh, from, our, from our hearts. And all of this is directed to experiencing khushu, to be focused, to be calm, and to be submissive in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how we feed the soul. This is how we illuminate the hearts. This is, this, is the, um, this is the core of salah. This is where the power of the believer is. This is where our salah becomes an entity, whereby it becomes a form of strength. This is when salah actually becomes that vehicle that will actually assist us in times of darkness. So in section three, the first aspect we're going to speak about, or rather that we'll, this is actually a revision, is facing the Kaaba. Salah, part and parcel of Salah is facing the Kaaba. In fact, you learn about what breaks the Salah according to how far can we turn, how far we cannot turn, because it's not a thick glass and not going to go into that. But what we should be projecting is understand that we are facing towards the Qibla, that Qibla has a position in our heart, it has a position in Islam, and that is it's the first house to be placed. The first house to be placed specifically for the worship of Allah is that house in Bakka, which is the ancient name of Makkah. So that is what the house is representing. It's representing the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which we call the Tawheed. So we're turning to Allah and we're turning away from this dunya. 
So uh, it is important at this time also to remember that whatever might be distracting us, that is exactly what it is. It is a distraction. Uh, mind you, there are certain things whereby we can delay salah. Uh, when when the time is you know growling when we're extremely hungry and food is present because it's going to distract us <clears throat> when um, it's time to break your fast for example break your fast first uh, Aisha can be delayed uh, for fake reasons which we'll get we won't get into unless the question is posed and also though it can be sort of uh, delayed at, at certain times uh, also when there's a storm <clears throat> but that's fake. Okay, so the second uh, point we want to mention, in your salah, you're going to raise your hands, you're going to say the takbiratul ihram. Takbiratul ihram is to say Allahu Akbar. It is the first time we say Allahu Akbar. And that is called the takbir. Takbir literally means to say Allahu Akbar. But it is called the takbir of ihram. Ihram means to make certain things haram. So there's certain things, in fact, that we cannot do uh, in salah that will break and nullify our salah. But we are focusing on the spiritual aspects. Certain things become haram now, uh, or makru, disliked. And that is now uh, to focus on anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This phrase, Allahu Akbar, has to mean something to us. And it has different understandings and different meanings to each and every one. When we hear the adhan, we are busy with certain things. And the first thing, that, the first word is Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. And when we start our salah, we say Allah is greater. Uh, same with adhan, Allah is greater. It's a hyperbole, like I've mentioned. Um, and a hyperbole is a comparative phrase whereby you have to compare one with the other and say this is greater than that. So when we're saying Allahu Akbar, we're saying Allah is greater than our social feed, our social media. Allah is greater than the hobbies that we are busy with. Allah is better than black ops. Allah is better than the games that we play. Allah is better than the company that we are currently in. Allah is greater than anything. And remind yourself that that will mentally prepare yourself uh, to, for the mind not to stray. So Allah Akbar is a very powerful phrase. This was the phrase that brought Islam to all corners of the earth. So the spiritual emotion that should be projecting at that time is be wary that Allah is greater than anything. And that takbirat al-haram, we're entering into a different mode now because now we're actually in the state of ibadah. We are in the state of worship by the words Allahu Akbar. What is very important and worthy to, to, to think about, won't be enough time to think about in your salah, but out of salah. Allah is the sole cause of everything. Anything that might be occupying us, anything that might be distracting us. Remember, Allah is the cause, is the ultimate cause of means. So we have means, for example, to earn our rizik. So we might be running a shop. So we have we are making sales and we're making a profit. And with that profit, we buy a sustenance. Thus, uh, our sustenance, or rather our profits are giving us our sustenance. And our trade is giving, but we must, we must understand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of that profit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take barakah, he can place barakah in or out of that. It is Allah who is the sole cause. And the ultimate cause is give us our health, to give us our strength, to give us our understanding. So that business now cannot distract us from, um, from, from our salah. Allah speaks about this in the Quran, about men that are not deluded and, and, and they are not distracted by trade or anything else for that matter. 
So there's a beautiful verse there. I, I did read it last week. I'm not going to read it again. Whoever does good, uh, he will be rewarded as such. We'll give him a beautiful life. A beautiful life can come in various ways. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you good health. Sometimes the health is not there, uh, but there's happiness in place of that. But barakah comes in various, various forms. Let's go on to the second point now. Once we make our takbiratul haram, now we're in a standing position. This is one of the positions of salah. What should we be projecting at this particular time? Uh, there is a hadith uh, which was quoted before that as long as our focus is on, on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I think it will be mentioned a bit later on as well. Um, yeah. Um, whereby uh, as long as we are focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yansari, he doesn't turn. And this turning applies to physical turning, firstly. Now, if it applies to physically turning away, even more so it will be with our minds, even more so with our hearts. How disrespectful is it? When you are called to a very important meeting and you are being interviewed, and, and while the interviewer is speaking to you, you are busy on your WhatsApp. Uh, you are busy uh, looking at this. You're not listening to what, to what is being said. Our, our attention is everywhere. We don't even know what the guy is saying in front of us. If that applies to humans, how so to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So be very careful not to earn the wrath of Allah, not to anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by intentionally focusing uh, and, and bringing to mind that we need to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not allow the mind to, to stray. If it does, let it be that it was a mistake. Don't let it be because we are completely heedless. When we are standing in this, remember this inspection. So this is how we should be feeling. We are being inspected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This actually helps you attain the emotion that you need to be attaining in salah. We are being inspected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you feel when you're being inspected? We think of our sins. We think of our weaknesses. And, um, th and this makes us feel submissive. So we are now calm. We are focused. Uh, and, and we are submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You find that the body is also projecting that. The gaze should be downcasted. With regards to the eyes being open or closed, ulama, there is a discussion with regards to this. Uh, it is makru uh, to intentionally close your eyes and make that part of the salah. Like, I have to close my eyes in salah. So, um, the Prophet, it wasn't recorded that he closed his eyes in salah. However, the ulama do say, if you find yourself being distracted, if you find yourself that when closing your eyes, you have a greater concentration, you are closer to khushu, then there's no problem closing your eyes. But do not make it by default that it is part and parcel of your salah. So the eyes is downcasted now, and our hands are clasped together in a submissive way, like a slave standing in front of his master, being inspected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right hand in front of the left hand, and this is part of our sharia. Remember, the right always signifies blessing, and the left signifies um, uh, the opposite of blessing. Uh, how can we say bad luck, so to say, right? Um, when we, we uh, you know, the, the left hand is used to, 
to wipe out, to wash, to cleanse our nose and, and, and to wash ourselves and to clean ourselves. But the right hand is used for musahafa. The Prophet always used to prefer the right side, even when he is uh, offering people some drink. So understand how the body is now. Uh, besides looking at the dua, sometimes understanding dua is difficult. But if we can put ourselves in that particular state, I'm standing in front of Allah and what's happening now, I'm being uh, viewed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as I'm viewing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So do not be disrespectful by, by intentionally thinking of other things, by intentionally allowing our minds to drift. When it comes to drifting, remember I quoted the hadith that the Prophet heard a child cry. It was in the Salat al-Asr. And he said, an I wanted to lengthen my Salah, but I heard a baby cry. One might have thought that the Prophet is getting angry. How can people bring the children to the masjid? They're going to disturb everybody. Like so many people complain. Uh, you know, they hear a little noise and then they realize that so sensitive. They don't understand the concept of khushu'. So sensitive. You can't bring a child to mosque. Why? Because your child is your child's being a child. Uh, you know, obviously, don't let the child go hang on the molina's beard in front. Or he's, you know, he's taking the stick by the mimba and eating everybody. Uh, also, uh, you know, if you bring a child to the masjid, take control of him. You know, take control of him. Uh, you know, uh, keep him by you. Even if you know salah, keep him by you. Try to cause as less disturbance to others as possible. But the child might make a noise and that's okay. So the prophet heard a child crying and he said, I, I, I feared that the lady would feel uncomfortable. The mother might feel uncomfortable thinking that she is causing uh, you know, difficulty to others. So he hastened his salah out of mercy to that. Uh, today you find so much of uh, irritable people, which want calm and content. And the moment they see something they don't like, and they jump. You know, the people want to know why youngsters are not at the masjid. Sometimes they're not welcome. You know, the older people do not welcome the younger people in the masjid. You can't talk in the masjid. You can't meet people in the masjid. You can't do nothing in the masjid. You must just come salah and get out. You know, it's a, it's a place of, uh, you know, it's not a welcome place. This was not how it was in the time of the Prophet Also, what is important, when we are downcasting ourselves and when we are being scanned and we are, uh, we are uh, physically, we are emotionally aware that Allah is gazing upon our hearts and we are projecting the submissiveness uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't go overboard. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi perform salah like you saw like you have seen me uh, perform salah. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's narrated with various instances where Sahaba would see people, you know, they, they're standing. I saw people that, you know, they keep their hand on their heart and then they leave. <laughs> like, they, like they wounded or something. Khushu is not in your body. Khushu is in your heart, right? Stand properly, look, bend down a bit. Not bend down, just, just keep your gaze down. But keep your back straight, right? This is also a good time to straighten your posture. Um, you know, uh, practice straightening your posture. We, we know we tend to lean uh, over the entire day. Um, and khushu is in uh, your heart and not in your in your body. So I've spoken about the takbiratul haram. Allahu Akbar. Say it with meaning, with understanding, with feeling. Allah is greater than everything. Now I'm standing in front of Allah. What's happening now? I'm being, uh, I'm being, what is the word? Um, I'm being scanned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah's gaze is upon me. And remember, Allah sees the recesses. You cannot hide anything from Allah. Allah knows what's happening in the heart. Allah knows what's happening in the imagination.
What is next? What is next is the opening door. <coughs> the opening door. Now, like I said before, it is a good um, habit. It's a, it's a good intention uh, to take some time out of your life and learn the meanings of the dua, right? You might say take some time. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the many duas that we can make. We're going to look at the, we're going to highlight the meanings of that and see what we should be projecting. So even if you don't understand Arabic, you should know and understand what you should be projecting at that particular time. Remember, even though we're striving to get khushu, that is the ultimate. In every position, there's a different dhawk, there's a different taste, uh, there's a different emotion and experience. Uh, in your qiyam, in your standing, in your bowing down, in your ruku, coming up from bowing down, is a different emotion that is uh, aiding and directing to khushu. Again, khushu is focusing, being calm and being submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, the opening dua. Um, the hadith that I've quoted there, there's the hadith that a man in a rajula, a man... Um, he turns away from his salah. He goes away from his salah. He doesn't get accepted in. It's not this is in the exact uh, hadith I was speaking about. But he goes away from his salah. He doesn't get from his salah. Some people only get a tenth of the reward. So you could have got 100%, but you got 10, 10%. And then some people only get the eight. Some people only get the fifth. Some people only get a um, little bit of reward. So not everybody is getting the same reward. You might all be standing the same five minutes, same four akats, but everyone has a different reward depending on where was his heart uh, and where was his where was his mind in his salah. So I'm on. I don't have if the pages are, are corresponding, but I'm by the opening dua. So uh, remember, there are many duas to choose from. And um, I, I think there was a book that was, um, that was sent out to everyone. Um, the book was uh, the various uh, types of du'as. So this some advice, and this advice, uh, I've compiled this workshop from, from various, about five or six books on, on the chapter, some, um, uh, you know, some, some classical books like of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah and Ibn Rajab, and then also uh, scholars, uh, contemporary scholars as well. So... Um, they, they concur that try and change the du'as. There's short du'as, there's long du'as, but if you keep it the same, there's this muscle memory thing. Uh, you know, and that happens if you, uh, you know, sometimes you recite the Fatiha and you're done and you don't even know you recited the Fatiha. Your mouth just went and it did the rhythm because it's so used to this routine. But if you're changing it all the time and then uh, it becomes easier to focus. All right? So um, look at the open do opening du'a. Let me just read the English then. Um, actually, I'm more comfortable with the Arabic and then uh, the English. You, you could just follow along. I have turned my face to the one who have created the heavens and the earth. So you turn your face. So this you call, they call this a fortiori concept, whereby it's like, you know, in the Quran, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, your parents, don't tell him off. So you say, mommy, daddy. Okay, I won't say the word yet. I don't know who's, um, so, uh, you know, and they say, how can you speak like that? So, you know, the Quran says, man, say, oof, didn't say, I can't say that. 
So this you call a fortiori. If it applies to something small, even more so it will apply to something big. So if we turn your face to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even more so it applies to the, to the heart, to the one who created the heavens and the earth. So now you're thinking of the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, you're actually reminding yourself, who am I standing in front of? I'm standing in front of the one who created everything, the universe. Hanifan, just like Nabi Ibrahim, turning away from all sorts and forms of idolatry. And I'm not of the polytheist. My salah, listen to this powerful words, you're reminding yourself that my salah, uh, and the salah fits under the banner of ibadah, all types of ibadah, my rituals, my life, and the way I die, the way I live, and the way I die. That is all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, we will die like how we live, but the death belongs to Allah. Our life belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is all for Allah. There's a certain way we have to live. There's a certain way we have to die. So we are reminding ourselves. That's why you have these words, Rabbal Alameen, the Lord of the worlds, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's to remind yourself who you're standing in front of now. There's no part this, uh, to him. I've been commanded to do that. And I'm the first, meaning I'm in front to submit. So I realize who I'm, in, who, I'm, who I'm standing in front of as I'm standing there. So, you know, without understanding the Arabic, realize that who you are standing in front of, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we are the first to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is entitled to that. If he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, he's our creator. Then we turn to Allah saying, you are the king. La ilaha, there's no God but you. Uh, you are my Lord. Here, what we are reiterating, what we are affirming. You are my Lord and I'm your slave. Reminding ourselves. We're not reminding Allah. Allah, don't forget I'm your slave. <laughs> no, we're not reminding Allah just in case you forgot I'm your slave. No, we're reminding ourselves that this is my Rabb that I'm standing in front of. And who am I to my Rabb? I'm the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I confess to all of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner because I am weak. So I need your forgiveness. Uh, forgive all of my sins. Nobody forgives the sins besides you. And guide me to the best type of character. The best type of character starts with your character with Allah. Then your character with yourself. How do you view yourself? And then your character is also with others. How are we with others? So this um, is, we want Allah to guide us to this beautiful character. Nobody can guide to it except, uh, except you. And turn away from it, the evil character. We have to admit to ourselves that, look, we have flaws and we want Allah to remove those flaws from us. And um, nobody can remove those flaws except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we reiterate, we are present um, and all good is from you and evil is because of the, our evil actions. Uh, it's not attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are most blessed. You are most high. I seek your forgiveness and I repent to you. So that's a beautiful dua. Think of what we just said. Let's highlight this. We are, the, those five points over there, we are at this particular point, we are thinking of the oneness of Allah, reminding ourselves who is standing in front of Allah. The oneness, Allah is the supreme. This, this association from shirk that is also attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is perfect, no partners to him, in, not in his actions, not in his essence, not in any of his attributes. And then as for us, what is our relationship to Allah? 
complete submission. Why? Because we are slaves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa jal. Then we have to remind ourselves our complete dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah's complete independence of us. And we are also looking at our uh, weakness, weaknesses, and we are seeking Allah's forgiveness. There's a lot, that's a mouthful. What should we be projecting? There's so a lot of things that were said. In our opening dua, we are confessing and we are affirming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence. We are in the presence of Allah and our relationship towards Allah is complete submissiveness. So think about this. Let's just go through this very quick. We say Allahu Akbar. Now, nothing is greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're standing in front of Allah knowing that we are being gazed. We are being gazed upon by Allah as long as our focus is on Him. Now we start saying our opening dua, reminding ourselves who we are standing in front of. Once we understand that, what is our relationship towards him? We are his slave, we are submissive to him, and we have sins. That's why we need his forgiveness. So now we are in the correct mind frame. We know who we are discussing with. You know, one of the, uh, one of the, the, the uh, problems today with regards to... Um, uh, what is this? Uh, disrespect. Disrespect is a common thing today. Uh, children are showing disrespect. You know, they're disrespectful to their parents. The the actual meaning of that is they treat their parents like they treat their friends. Uh, they need to understand this is daddy, this is mommy. There's a certain conduct in front of him. I cannot conduct myself like I conduct myself with my friends. Once we start doing that, that is actually disrespectful. So it's the same thing when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Understand who you stand in front of. And that is how we will show the proper respect towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I hope that is clear. You do feel free to ask questions with regards to that. Jot it down. Uh, that is with regards to the opening dua. Now we come to the next part, which is at-ta'awud. This is a very, very important phrase. Such a simple phrase. Ta'awud means to say, A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajeem. I am, I am taking refuge. Uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Allah. I'm taking safety. I'm seeking safety from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is what the uh, ta'awud actually is. Is to say, a'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajim. So, um, so the translation is there. Let's actually look at what this is all about. The origin of the name shaytan, that case shouldn't be there. I don't know if I put that there or not, but it's in my notes. Um, uh, just a quick understanding of the word shaitan. Um, well, we shouldn't go into root letters unless you're interested in the Arabic. Shin, ya, ta, or shin, ta, noon. Uh, whether, whatever root letters that is, if you're looking into the Arabic over there, not really important at the stage. Understand why shaitan is called shaitan. Uh, if it's from shayapa, shaitan, it's on the scale of going into Arabic. It means that he is far steeped, he's steeped into evil. And he's far away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's, that's the first meaning. The second meaning is, shaitan is the one who distracts us. He's the one that causes us to be distracted. Look, this is not something that he does as a hobby. This is his entire existence is directed at distracting mankind. And he just needs to distract them long enough in order for them not to get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it is so easy to be forgiven by Allah. All you need to do is turn to him and ask him for forgiveness. Shaitan knows this. So what does he do? He makes us become despondent in seeking forgiveness. That's beside the point. Let's come back to where we are. So Shaitan wants to distract us from Allah. That is why he's called Shaitan. 
His existence is there for that. You look at the couple of verses that will be mentioned afterwards, where he promises to lead mankind astray after Allah has given him um, to, to, to abide in this earth as long as earth is in existence. So, as for, uh, you know, we always say shaytan ar-rajim. What does rajim mean? Uh, it's an attribute that we ascribe to shaytan. He's, uh, we can translate this as uh, rajim means one who costs, and it also means one who is costed. When we say he costs, it means he casts his whispers into the hearts of mankind, especially in Salah. He has a, a particular um, soldiers that, that actually uh, launch the attack, and they call Khanzab. I mentioned this last week. Khanzab um, is a shaytan that is actually assigned to your Salah. He's there to, dis to destroy your Salah. So um, he casts his whispers, and Shaitan whispers, and he can communicate to us in a manner that we don't know. He's able to uh, take our desires and beautify that desires. Uh, so how that happens, we don't know, but he's able to whisper into the hearts of man in this particular fashion. They have weird ways of, of, of connecting to us. Uh, for example, uh, they, they tie three knots behind your head, uh, actually uh, the, uh, by the nape. The, the Prophet said is by the nape. They tie those knots over there uh, so you can't get up for fajr. It's very difficult to get up uh, to actually urinate in your ear. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're sleeping, you know, it, it makes you not actually get up properly or, or not very difficult to get up. So they just, they do these weird things. How they do it, we know it's authentic, these hadith are authentic, but how we don't know, it's in a different realm, okay? What we should know is that they are there and they are there to destroy us. So we need to seek protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Allah from shaitan. Now, um, when we are saying this phrase, this phrase within itself uh, is a, I think the word is an incantation. When we are saying this phrase, and we, even though it means I'm taking refuge, it's, it actually means I seek refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the rejected shaitan. Uh, you know, we should know our enemy. We should know our enemy. If we are not aware of Khanzab, we're not aware of Khanzab, and then we won't take protection from him. We will say, but it won't actually pass the, it won't pass the lips. It won't come into the heart. So we say, with no intention, with no emotion, and with no feeling. Rather, when we say this next time, before we start reciting the Fatiha, remember Shaitan is there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is present, turn towards Allah, ask Allah, protect me from that Shaitan. Right? And once we take protection from Allah, shaitan has no authority over there. Shaitan does not have authority over the slaves of Allah. A slave of Allah is one who shows servitude in good times and bad times. So when you get paid, you show thankfulness by, by being grateful. How do we show grateful? We, we spend on our family. We buy ourselves nice clothes. Uh, you know, uh, that, that is all in the pleasure of Allah. That is showing the gratitude when we are in, in times of blessing. But in times of difficulty, this is when people are trialed. When you are, uh, when you have a, a tight life, when something is difficult and you're being tested, this is when the true test lies. It is at the times of trials and tribulations that the man can either be honored or he can be, uh, or he can be disgraced. Right? That is why we get up in the middle of the night. That is why we are. Uh, performing the wudu, that is why we leave our um, engagements and anything that might be enticing us of this world, and we sacrifice that 
and we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and this is how we are honored by Allah. So remember, shaitan is there to destroy us and we're taking refuge. Understand the motion now and the journey so far. Allah is the greatest. He's standing in front of Allah. Allah's gaze is upon us. We feel submissive. And then the opening dua, we're reminding ourselves we're standing in front of. Once we have that, we are about to recite Quran. But now, before we do that, we first say, So shaitan doesn't come between us and our Quran, between us and our understanding of Quran, between us and the reward and the emotion that Quran can actually project uh, within our hearts. There's numerous ayat over there, what I do want to make mention of, why is it that when we recite Quran, is reciting Quran is actually at the start of Salah, um, when we uh, give zakah, uh, when we give charity, uh, when we do something good, when we eat, for example, that's also something good, halal and tayyiban. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically tell us to take uh, protection from shaitan at the time uh, of, of Quran? The answer to that is that Quran is the very essence of guidance. Shaitan is the very um, reason for us being misguided. So at that particular time, Shaitan is going to launch his attack fully, right? Uh, he's going to everything he got, but he can do nothing. If we seek the protection of Allah, it's time you say that. Let, let's say it with feeling and shaitan will not disturb our uh, salah. Various other verses over there, which I've jotted down. Um, I'm not going to get into that. It just tells us about the promise of shaitan to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that how uh, he will uh, mislead them. And also there's a verse there that, that where Allah actually affirms that shaitan, um, he would have no authority over my slaves. The true ibad. Okay, the true ibad. The ibad of Allah, the, the slaves of Allah showing servitude to Allah in good times and bad times. Let's go to Surah Al-Fatiha now. Now we're coming into the recitation. Surah Al-Fatiha. Now we're coming into the recitation of Quran. There's a dispute that we will discuss later. What is the greatest posture in Salah? Some say um, Sajda, the Sujood. Some say Qiyam. The majority and the correct opinion is that it is Qiyam. Um, it is the Arjah according to the Shafi'i Madhab that the, the, the more preponderant view is that, that the standing position is the most honored. There's a clear-cut hadith that I'll mention later with regards to that. Um, and, and the reason for that is because of the recitation of Quran in Salah, and that Quran is the very essence of guidance. Now, Surah Al-Fatiha, uh, I'm not going to go into tafsir because that would be going away from khushu. I'm not going to go to detail into the, into the words because we'll be going away from khushu. We'll stick to an apparent meaning. Brother uh, Shabal, yeah. Are we, are we going to take a break before we go on to the next uh, topic now? Do you need a break? Uh, let's see what the time is now. Uh, it's now uh, 20.58. Uh, until what time do we have again? Just remind me, please. Half past okay. nine. Am I correct? Oh, that's correct, yeah. So I thought maybe take yeah. a four-minute break now and then we get started with the fact how after that. Okay, that's totally fine. I'm fine with that. I'm all for the breaks. <laughs> okay. So let's take a... Okay. Marikullah. Okay. So we'll have a break for the next few minutes. Uh, you're welcome to send your questions through and uh, we will return shortly, inshallah. Shukran.
Beloved students, once again, welcome back. Um, just a reminder that we have sent a second set of notes out uh, this afternoon. And if you, for some reason, have not received those notes, kindly just pop, pop us a WhatsApp and uh, we will forward those notes to you. Also, just to let you know, if you, in fact, if you haven't received the note, that means you're not receiving our other updates. Please make sure that we are saved that our contact is saved on your phone and not your SIM card in order to receive the updates that we sent um, for the classes, uh, inshallah. So you need to save us on your phone or on your email, on your WhatsApp, and not on your SIM card. Shukran, Nolana, over to you. Assalamualaikum warahmatullah. Welcome back. Uh, let's jump, uh, jump right into the questions. Just four questions. Um, so the first question is going to be, with regards to wudu, is it recommended to keep your wudu over two awqat or not? So uh, it will be uh, the circumstance with regards to that. Um, there's something called ribat. Ribat is when you are waiting from the one salah to the next. So obviously in that particular condition, it would be best to keep your uh, wudu. Also in terms of extreme inconvenience, uh, remember this is recommended that we go the easy route and we don't take wudu again. So wudu can be kept uh, in terms of, that's why the ruhsa is there. The ruhsa meaning uh, the wudu can be kept for every uh, salah. But what I do want to, uh, there's this concept of tajdeedul wudu. Wudu has a significant effect on the body. One thing I could never understand growing up, you know, when, when, you, when you take a ghusl, um, it is recommended that we take wudu before the ghusl. Uh, you know, I was on, to me, I, like, I couldn't understand the point of that because a ghusl a, a, a actually comprises a wudu. But once you understand the concepts of wudu and the benefit of wudu, you'll find that the wudu does something that the ghusl cannot do. So tajdeed wudu is completely up to you. It's a beautiful thing to take wudu all the time if you are capable to do that. Remember Bilal radiallahu anhu, the Prophet heard his footsteps in Jannah and the, and, 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 and the Prophet asked Bilal, what are you doing? Uh, that I'm hearing your footsteps in the Jannah, uh, that I'm hearing your footsteps in Jannah, and he responded to that. I keep wudu constantly. And every time I break my wudu, I take wudu again. He respect, and then he also, he would make, uh, you know, two rakats for, uh, for that uh, particular time. Uh, you know, these two rakats you can make for just uh, renewing the, um, uh, when, when you re renew the, the wudu. So, but that's all with regards to fiqh. The answer is, is it recommended? Uh, to take wudu again, the answer is yes. That's in simple case. It is a recommendation. But also look at the circumstances. Don't put something on yourself that, it's, uh, that will be too difficult because you're making something now um, that is, uh, you know, supererogatory difficult. And nobody makes his deen difficult upon himself except it will overpower him. The niya. I've learned in, uh, you know, that niya, we learned this now way to, what do you say? And suddenly... I intend to make salah, four rakaat, facing the Qibla, sake of Allah, on his time, I'm the Imam, they the followers, or I'm the follower, and that's the Imam. Those, uh, those things, um, so we learn that in Madrasa, is it part of the Sunnah or not? When we refer to being part of the Sunnah, if we're saying was those exact wording taught by the Prophet, the Prophet says no. So why do they teach it to us, and why do we learn that? There is a uh, there is a, an opinion also in the Shafi'i Madhab that by verbalizing a intention, um, it's closer to, uh, you know, it, it brings the, the intention, makes it stronger, so to say. 
that, that your focus is, is more there. Like the Prophet he, he made the intention loud when he was, was uh, you know, making near for the type of hajj he was going to make. And ulama says, yes, that was to let the people know what type of hajj he's going to make. But the opinion still stands by verbalizing something. Logically, it, it's like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to write this exams now. Now I'm going to write, you know, you tell yourself something like that. It just makes the, the word is azima. It gives you, you give yourself a oomph, right? But it's not part of the sunnah in terms of the, the Prophet taught us to say that. If you want to say it, say it. Say it. If you don't want to say it, don't say it. No, no problem for those who say it. No problem for those who don't say it. But it is not something that the Prophet has taught us. But it is, uh, you know, it is recommended by scholars. Um, so that's my answer with regards to that. Standing, uh, you know, to, to what extent should we be standing, especially for those who are weak? And this is what I want to actually highlight. There are those of us who have reached old age. There are those of us who have a weak back. There are those of us who find it difficult to go down in ruku or sujood. So this is the significance and the importance of learning the spirituality and the dimensions of salah. So even though we are not able to go to sajda anymore, don't be too sad because that emotional spiritual state can still be felt even if you're not putting your foot on the ground it can still be felt by projecting that emotion of going down and uh, you know what we should be experiencing in our bowing down in our standing so um uh, remember with regards to that what governs that is fear allah to the best of your uh, to your ability and just i uh, see the path is going flat here and plugged in just give me a second yeah Hope that's not going to be a problem. Okay, so feel that to the best of your ability. So you should stand as far as you can. Do not harm yourself. If you're standing in a way that's hurting your back, you might find yourself uh, being punished. You know, do not harm yourself. This is not uh, what our idea is, has commanded us to do. Um, I think that is, uh, that is, that is it. Let's, let's go on, inshallah. Uh, 20 minutes left. We are on time and we can go over to the next section of our salah. Um, if, yeah, Fatiha. So, Surah Al Fatiha is a very, very powerful chapter. You know, when you read the tafsir, in terms of tafsir, I can speak from Surah Al Fatiha now up until the end of the year, every night for four hours, and it, we cannot come to an end uh, because there are so much information with regards to the Fatiha, so much lesson, lessons to be learned. We are busy with khushu in Salah, so we will navigate through Surah Al-Fatiha focusing only on khushu. Surah Al-Fatiha is a conversation with Allah. No other chapter in the Quran shares this unique aspect whereby when we recite a verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds. Okay, and that uh, is in the following hadith. The hadith comes from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Um, we says that salah, salah is divided into two parts. Salah here means Fatiha. It shows you the significance of Fatiha in our salah. In terms of fiqh, you know, those people that say Fatiha is part of salah, like the Shafi'i scholars, this is one of the proofs that they use where the Prophet interchangeably uses Fatiha instead of salah. It's like saying Al-Hajj, Arafah. You can't have Arafah without Hajj, therefore Hajj is Arafah. Salah. And Fatiha, it's used interchangeably because it's a very vital part of our salah. Uh, and also we have respect for those Hanafi scholars that say it is not an integral uh, part of our salah. That is fiqh. So 
Um, the important thing is here, Fatiha is divided into two sections. Um, the one is praising Allah, and the second part is a dua. That is the two parts of Surah Fatiha. So when I have, when the Prophet is saying, um, and he's quoting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Hadith Qudsi, that Fatiha is divided into two, uh, two parts, or Salah is divided into two parts, it's Surah Fatiha. Now, what I want us to take away from here, it's a very, very interesting experience to understand and to know that Allah is responding to us, right? Uh, Allah is responding to us after every phrase of Surah Al-Fatiha. So when we say, uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, uh, and Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise is due to Allah. All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the beautiful qualities belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is Jameel, Allah is Ar-Razaq, Allah is Ar-Razik. All the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we look at the meanings of that, and we say Allah is perfect. So we're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that praise belongs to Allah whether we accept that or whether we do not accept that. Allah is praised without requiring anyone to praise him. He's still praised. So when we say that all praise is due to Allah, Allah responds. So it is a good idea. It is a good practice to pause for a second or two um, or, or just a second, not too long. Uh, you know, and actually just be aware, be aware that Allah is responding. All praise due to Allah. Allah says, Hamadani Abdi, my slave has praised me. Then we recite the next verse and we say, Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, the most, um, let's say, the, the generally merciful, the specifically merciful. The word Ar Rahman Ar Rahim, not going into tafsir, this, one, this is a one uh, way of translating this. Um, one opinion and Ar-Rahman, Allah has the concept of mercy, Ar-Rahim and Allah practices that mercy that is one understanding then when we say that and we acknowledge that, Allah says that my slave has athna abdi. that's what he says, that my slave has praised me by praising the qualities which I use uh, of my actions he has praised my so so you could just call it praise. There's a subtlety between Athna and Hamd in Arabic. Both means to praise Allah. So both phrases means to praise Allah. When we say all praise due to Allah, when we're saying the most gracious, the most merciful, especially uh, merciful, when you say that second phrase, then Allah also responds by, my slave has praised me, but uses a different word to capture the complete essence of what praise is. You can praise someone for the actions. You can praise something for the attributes. And that is the difference between hamd and uh, athana. To not make you confused. Understand this. That when you say all praise due to Allah, Allah says, my slave has praised me. When we say ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, he says, my slave has praised me again. But it just first refers to a, a different type of praise. Right? In terms of Allah's actions. Then uh, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Then when we say maliki yawmiddin. Malik, the master or the owner of the day of judgment. So we are understanding that we might, uh, things might be attributed, uh, attributed to us in this dunya. But in the akhirah, in the year after, nothing will be attributed to us. Everything will be clear and prevalent that it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No king can make claim over any dominion. They can do it in this world, but they cannot do it in the next world. And then Allah says, once he has done that, once we say that, Allah's response is slightly different. He says, Majjadani Abdi, my slave 
um, has recognized my majesty. So you can see all three verses over there is speaking about acknowledging Allah's praise and Allah's majesty. Then we come to the verse, Books and books and books have been written upon this, uh, that you alone are we a slave to. How honest are we when we say that? Are we a slave to our emotions? Are we a slave to our desires? Are we a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of difficulty? Only that is between us and Allah. So we say you alone, are we a slave to Allah knows the honesty in that, in that phrase. You alone, are we a slave to? You alone do we worship? And you alone do we seek assistance from? Understand that the slave, acknowledging that we are slaves to Allah comes first. Seeking assistance comes second because the one is interlinked with the other. We cannot um, ask Allah's assistance or be entitled to Allah's assistance if or earn Allah's assistance if we are not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala slaves. So we are slaves to Allah and we seek his assistance. Once we say that, Allah says, uh, abdi. Uh, is another phrase. abdi. Uh, that is that is in a different narration. This one I have. Um, yeah. Allah says, this is between me and my slave. This is the Allah's response. You're the, we say, master, of the, you alone do we worship and you alone do we ask for assistance. Allah's response is, this, what you have said here, this is between me and my slave. And to my slave is that which he asks, alluding to the fact that we need to ask for something now. And then Allah teaches us what to ask for. And then the next um, verse, guide us through the straight path. Um, just one thing I want to mention with the straight path. Our path here is relative to the path we have to cross on the day of Qiyamah. If we walk a straight and narrow path here, then the path across the bridge of Jahannam to get us over to Jannah will be vast and wide and easy to cross. Well, I'll make it that way. But if we walk a, a wide road here, we walk this way, walk that way, uh, you know, we try this out, we try that out, we're going to make istifar, we're going to make toba for that, we're going to enjoy ourselves here, but, and we'll, we'll obey Allah later. And that's a very vast road. Then the path on Qiyamah over the bridge, uh, the, the, the bridge over Jahannam will be very, very difficult to, to walk. So we ask Allah and this, the world, to guide us through this steadfast path, the path he has favored, not the path, uh, you know, of, of those who he is angry with. And nor those who go astray. Allah responds in the exact same manner. That's what you've said here. Your guidance, your sincerity is between me and my slave. This is between me and my slave. And my slave will get what he asked for. So it's beautiful to understand and to be aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is responding to us. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allah's response my slave has praised me. Hamadini Abdi. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Athna alayya Abdi. Allah says, my slave has praised me. Malik Yawmiddin. Majjadani Abdi. My slave has um, recognized my majesty. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in. Hada bayni wa bayna Abdi. This is between me and my slave. Wali Abdi Masala. And the slave gets what he asked for. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-ladhina al-amtalim. Ghayri al-maghdubi alayhim al-adhalim. Allah's response is very same. Uh, the very same response. This is between me and my slave, and my slave gets what he has asked for. So it's a very powerful conversation that is taking place in those couple of seconds. At least be aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is discussing uh, what we're having a discussion with Allah at that particular time. 
therefore we say ameen. Um, we say ameen because if our ameen corresponds with the ameen of the angels, and then it is closer to be to be accepted. What is the condition of someone that is speaking uh, to us? Right, I'm speaking to you. So I'm speaking to you now, and I'm, you see, I'm here. I'm on my WhatsApp here, and I'm checking this, and checking my emails, and you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not worried about you because you're not important to me. Uh, how would you feel? Um, how do we feel when people we address people and we're looking for the attention and they don't care? Uh, we feel insulted. We feel small in the eyes. We feel that we don't have any, uh, you know, the, the, we don't have any worth. If that is with man, then what about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? Allah is responding to us. So it's like Allah wants to say something and we say the next thing. Allah wants to say something and our mind is already somewhere else. Uh, no chance for Allah to respond. Not even caring what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is saying. Take time. Couple of seconds again. When I say this, do not try and wait too long in your salah. Shaitan is going to mess up your entire salah. Salah must not be made too long. It must be made just right. Uh, you know, especially if you're an imam, like I said before, do not make salah long. There's people behind us that that it's difficult for them to stand. It's difficult for them to make the ruku. Some people need to go somewhere. Do not make salah long. Salu kama usalli. Perform salah like you have seen me made. Uh, performed a salah. If you are a son, leading your mother, uh, leading your father, uh, if you are an imam, leading your congregation, uh, if you're leading your wife, and, and, and you know there's difficulty happening behind you, don't decide too long. Okay, It's going to just cause um, the salah to be harder than it should be. Okay, so that is a very important conversation. Again, the time is now. I just, I'm checking the time all the time so I don't, it doesn't catch up to us. So Allah Akbar, Allah is the greatest, greater than anything. I'm standing in front of Allah now. Allah's gaze is upon me and I'm aware of that. And now I, I open up my dua and I'm at that time, I'm acknowledging who I'm standing in front of and what is my position. I'm a slave and I'm weak. I need his guidance. I need his assistance. I need his forgiveness. Now I'm going to start with Fatiha. Before I do that, I need Allah's protection so I can understand the verses. Uh, at least give focus to the verses that I'm about to recite because it's a conversation and the conversation takes place in Surah Al-Fatiha and we conclude Surah Fatiha with Ameen, which is, Oh Allah, accept our dua, astajib duana, Oh Allah, accept our dua. Now, we recite anything we want to recite of Quran, anything we want to recite of Quran. Again, change your chapters, not Qulala the whole time, not in the whole time. Change the chapters so that Salah is uh, exciting. It is uh, the, the the routine is there. Don't get caught up in the uh, you know in 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 something all the time and and then it becomes a bit boring. It's also an incentive to us to actually memorize some verses of the Quran so we can recite it in our salah. After that, so I'm not going into detail with Quran because Quran is very vast and the same. And you know, there is one thing we can mention of the Quran whenever we recite. Um, where did I read this? It was in Adabu uh, Hamalatil Quran of Naomi. Um, you know, the, the, the correct or, or, or what is recommended for us to do is when we are reciting, imagine as if that Quran is being revealed to us. It's being revealed to us as we are reciting it. All right. Um, the next, um, the, what we want to discuss is the Takbiratul Intiqal. Saying Allahu Akbar, the movement when we're saying Allahu Akbar. So when we move from one position position to another position, there is a couple of seconds or a second or two that shaitan comes in there um, and then we uh, become distracted. Like, yeah. 
it was going off its own 5%, it's right now. Okay. Um, when we become distracted, so say, let's say we got distracted in our sana. Now we have an opportunity to say Allah Akbar again. Whatever we are thinking about, that distraction, Allah is greater. We go down to the next rakah. As to not let the distraction linger from one point to another point. Um, and also it teaches us when we are moving from one place to another to keep the adhkar and to keep the tongue moist with the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salah is complete adhkar. It is complete remembrance of Allah. No couple of seconds must go past except that we are reciting something that is reminding us about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we move from one position to the next, we say Allahu Akbar, and now we have a new opportunity as well to rid ourselves from any distractions we might have had in the previous, uh, in the previous posture. So when we're saying Allahu Akbar, it also it, it's, it divides our salahs into segments. Into segments so that, let's say, our first part of the salah was distracted, but the second part was okay. Not to say our entire salah was distracted. <clears throat> so that's called the takbiratul intiqal, and that is the hikmah or the wisdom with regards to that. Also, there's beauty with regards to um, raising our hands uh, when we are moving in a posture. So, so when we are going down for the bowing position, then we raise our hands again. Raising our hands is part of the beauty of salah. This is the action that is prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the reason it is beautiful, because this is what and how our Prophet has taught us to raise the hands when we are when we saying Allahu Akbar, even when going down to prostration. So now we come to the next very powerful posture, and that is the posture of, of Ruku. Um, I think I wonder if I should get into this now. Um, yes, let's get into it, inshallah. There's no, no need for, for delay. So Ruku refers to bowing down. When we bow down, is in fact, they tell us how to bow down, keeping the neck straight, and you know, what is how we should keep our fingers. Um, but that is fit. With regards to what emotion should we be feeling? If you're looking at the various type of adhkar that is recommended, all that is subhanahu rabbi al-azim, uh, which I have jotted down over there. Um, there's a beautiful dua that khashia, uh, what is submissive now, the khashia is the word khushu' sam'i, uh, my 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 faculty of sight and my faculty of hearing is all in a state of basri. even my brain, even my veins, even my nerves, all mentioned in the hadith there, is in a state of khushu' and even more so is the heart in a state of khushu'. So we need to connect an emotion in bowing down, a spiritual emotion, and we need proof of that. That will direct us to have khushu. Khushu is focused, being calm, and being submissive. What we should be projecting in the in the in the, the bowing down is something known as ta'zim. Ta'zim is making Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala great. Now we can't make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala great. It means making great in our hearts and in our minds. We do that by thinking of the majesty and the greatness of Allah and the insignificance and the dependence of ourselves. Bowing down in a submissive way, uh, expressing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and expressing our iftiqar, our complete dependence upon him. It's a particular specific taste that is found in ruku and there's so much other beautiful ad'iya or du'as that we should be reciting. Thinking about that, Two things is prominent. Like I mentioned, this will be the third time I'm mentioning this. 
ta'zim, the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If, if, if that's difficult, think about the greatness of the creation of Allah. Once we think of the greatness of the creation of Allah, the mountains and the oceans and the stars and the moons and all those planets and uh, all the great, the universe, then we think of the greatness of the creator. So let it be steps if we can't directly think of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, I think we can leave it at that uh, for this week, inshallah. It is 27 minutes past nine. We've got just about two minutes or so left. Let me just see if there's any questions that I can respond to at this time. Um, is, um, I, I thought you were going to go to our post. So there is two questions that yeah. came through. I'll, I'll send the questions on to you quickly. Okay. The one, sorry, the one uh, question was, Molina, does Allah respond to you at any time when you cite food and khatika? Only in the salah. Uh, that's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, so, uh, I actually haven't thought of that, uh, but I can respond of what I do know, and I will research. I will research this even a bit more later on. In none of the tafsir uh, books that do we have that when we recite this, Allah responds out of salah. Allah only responds in uh, in the salah. So all of the um, the information that I've researched is specifically directed. To salah, um, because of the uh, we are in a state of uh, ibadah, and um, the hadith comes under the chapter of salah. And also, if you look at the wording, to salah, uh, this is proof of what what we are saying here. I'm thinking as I'm speaking. Forgive me, but um, I have divided qasamtu as salata nisfain. Says Muhammad sallallahu uh, taking this hadith to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where Allah says, I've divided my salah into two. Now, the salah there is interchangeably used with uh, Fatiha, showing that the most important thing in salah is a Fatiha, and the most important thing of Fatiha is the salah. So based on that, that is where the dua comes, or, or rather the, the information comes, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds in, in salah. So as far as my answer can go now, I could I speak under correction. I'm 99% um, convinced uh, that it's only in salah, but it's a beautiful question. I'm definitely going to research that and get back to you with 100% conviction. But for now, all that I can tell you is my research has only led me to, uh, to the, the responses in salah. Um, then, at Monona, at this time up, I think we can leave that question for next week. Um, at least our person has been on quite a while. Is that okay with you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. If you say the time is up, throwing the towel, then we can recall it over there. I'll look at all those questions. Shukran for those who have participated. Uh, Jazakallah. I hope to see you next week. We will we will conclude all the actions of Salah next week, inshallah. All of your questions and your comments that you have said, please do keep sending it in. And um, yeah, we will respond to that next week. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala illuminate our hearts. May the Aisha that we're going to make now be an Aisha uh, that will bring us very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with khushu and let me be of those who are successful in this world because of salah and in the next world because of salah. Jazakum khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.